fraternal greetings and a warm welcome to India's first and only Freemasonic podcast, The Ashlers, a unique podcast that is hosted by Masons aiming to share information and the timeless wisdom around Freemasonry with the rest of the world, thus sharing the light of Masonry far and wide. As a disclaimer, the thoughts and opinions shared by the hosts and participants on The Ashlers is solely their own and thus do not represent any official positions or proclamations of any Grand Lords thereof. Be assured that best efforts have been made to keep the conversations and presentations on the level for brethren and non-Masons alike. Hello and welcome everyone to yet another episode of The Ashlers. Uh, this particular episode is going to be interesting because we have been teasing this for the past few weeks and those of you who have been consistently listening to us, I'm sure you'll be looking forward to this. This is going to be a special episode particularly because this is the first session of the round table discussion. This discussion is between uh, myself and Rinesh, uh, collectively known as the Ashlers, and we are going to be discussing the first chapter of Morals and Dogma by Albert Pike. The first chapter, in essence, deals with the first degree or the entered apprentice degree of Freemasonry. So, with that being said, let me just put this out there. This particular book is not really what we would consider as a light reading kind of a book. It's quite heavy in its language uh, and for good reasons. Um, Albert has actually taken the time to you know, bring in a lot of examples uh, to try and make the content, uh, his point of view, as relatable as possible. Because of which one would realize that he gives many examples out there, which, you know, if you think about it, I mean, when I was reading through the chapter, I found that to be a pretty good idea because he gives multiple perspectives. So you don't just have one point of view, but you have different vantage points of thinking about the same thing. However, the downside of that, what some people might probably think is that it becomes a little, you know, too much to read or too many points to keep in mind. Uh, so that is where I think this kernel of thought came into our minds that why don't we pick up a difficult book and try and make it somewhat accessible, you know, sort of like give a little nudge to those who have been thinking that maybe I should read the book, uh, but then probably get dissuaded uh, thinking that just, you know, it's, it's a lot to read. So with that being said, I'd like to kick off our official special episode, uh, you know, the series on... Uh, Morals and Dogma. I will now hand it over to my able co-host uh, Ranesh to start talking about in a little more detail and give a quick introduction to the first chapter. So Ranesh, over to you. Hey, thanks. Thanks a lot, Shishir. And as you mentioned, right, Morals and Dogma is definitely not a light read book. It's not a book, by the way. Uh, guys, you can actually keep it near the bedside table and think you're going to read a little and maybe uh, understand at least for me um, the first time when I started reading this I was I think I was lost in those words I was like okay where am I going with this one but then it takes some time right you know you really need to actually put in that effort of understanding those things but that's when you suddenly realize is this the right book 
So even introduced to a person who has either joined Freemasonry right now or would like to join Freemasonry or as a matter of fact, even for those who would like to learn something more on that. And I realize it is not that easy. I'm not saying it is not the right book. It is not an easy book. And as you should mention, we are trying to dissect that book or rather this chapter right now to understand the various facets which are available in these. But to make sure that that happens, it is not an easy job, right? Like, so that's why Shishir and I are going to have this to and fro conversation wherein he is going to share his thoughts and I'm going to share my thoughts the way we have been doing earlier. But I think this time is going to be a bit of, um, what should I say, challenge or I should say an interesting portion because we are both, we both have read the book, obviously. But we both have now coming to discuss the book. And that is what the interesting portion is going to be. And that's why the roundtable of By the Ashlers is going to be an interesting session. Now, with that, coming to the first chapter. The first chapter of the book is on Entered Apprentice. And we have been talking about this. I, I, I think the actual name of the chapter is First Degree Apprentice. Now, the we have been talking about what Freemasonry consists of what are the various things which are there in it and the degree system in Freemasonry. The first degree in, in uh, Freemasonry, in an organized Freemasonry, the one which we follow, is Entered Apprentice. What is an Entered Apprentice? Like the word Apprentice, when you, when you try to understand that word, it automatically makes you remember your good old days of when you joined um, the first organization as an intern or as an apprentice, or as as uh, as a person who would like to learn something new, or maybe it might even be your local tradesman. Like there might be a garage nearby, and you are very much interested in learning something about the car parts or the bike parts. And what do you do? You go to that garage, and you actually talk to that person, the main guy, and tell them that I would like to learn. And what does he do? He actually tells you, okay, come on so and so day, and then we will start. So he's basically teaching you, and that's exactly what this chapter is all about. It is about that first degree in Freemasonry, the entered apprentice degree. And that is where we are coming in. But why is that required? I understand. Yeah. And as Shishin mentioned that we have already told uh, everybody about this, that Albert Pike is going through those to explain us those things, explain each of the degree system. But the question is, why is that required? What is it that an entered apprentice has to do? And if I actually ask this question to any Freemason, the simple answer for them would be, oh, yeah, very simple. You know what? I have to come on the day of the meeting, make sure that I go through whatever the work is happening and be prepared for the next time. But is that enough? I don't think so. Because Albert Pike in his first line has said it beautifully. And we are going to come to that line. Shishir, if you would like to read that first line. Thanks, Ranesh. And this line is quite interesting it's it's a very simple one-liner but if you think about it you could probably write a book just on that so here's the line force unregulated or ill-regulated is wasted in the void now what do i take from this and like i said it's it's a simple line but you know if you give it a lot of thought uh, you know there's quite a bit one can bring from different vantage points again what I take from this is, is something on these lines. You might be very enthusiastic uh, sort of a person. Maybe you have developed a new hobby, right? But you could go at it with all your heart and mind and passion and soul. However, without having a proper direction or a plan or a purpose, 
you know all that effort could actually be a waste what i mean is let's say uh, you're a fresher who has just joined the company okay you are learning you find the process quite interesting and then you are like okay you know what uh, let me just deep dive and take uh, work from uh, you know help out my seniors or maybe take up some of their work and then you are like full brute force like you, you start spending 8 hours as per you know what the thing is you're spending 12 hours 14 hours at the office well how long is that going to be sustainable right and how much of that that work is actually relevant let's say you've done some uh, work which you know is coming your way in the next two weeks you've completed it right now but uh, turns out it's no longer required because some change in plans <laughs> so what happened to all the brute force of yours went for a toss wasted effort right so that's how i take this line it's good to be passionate it's good to be you know enthusiastic about anything and everything but regulate it by planning for it regulate it by having a direction and purpose for it so that whatsoever effort you put in actually has if not a tangible outcome but at least a soft outcome you might learn something out of it which you can apply further it's okay to make mistakes but it's not okay to make repeated mistakes or mistakes so grave that you know it just makes you look bad at the end of the day uh, rinesh do you want to add in from your side well well said shishir and as you mentioned that right, you have been talking about from the practical approach i've just like, like i just wanted to understand it from the masonic perspective like imagine i joined this organization and okay let me just remove freemasonry out of it i joined any organization or i joined this college of oh, sorry not the college <laughs> i joined a, a company and as you mentioned that we have done this work and we are trying to figure out if you do not get guidance if you do not know what to do what are we doing there? remember that's the first point which we even ask in the job interview do we have a job description because that description gives us that regulation on what needs to be done sorry what needs to be done by us what the company is expecting from us the same thing happens in every aspect of your life now yes there are certain aspects of your life where those questions are not asked like after marriage you are not going to go and ask your wife or a wife is going to ask her husband that what are you expect from me we know that why because the society has created those things right in the beginning now whether that society wrote it down or the society passed it on to us don't know but somehow those things have been there now that is your general sense of uh, what should i say your own responsibilities your own work you tomorrow are not going to come up and ask your father that oh i didn't expect that i have to take care of you in your old age no we understand that we have to do that we know we have to do that so that is the regulation which is there unfortunately that regulation is not available in every other place and that is why i can come up and say i can hit my head as much as possible on the wall hoping that the wall is going to break but it is only hurting my head and that is exactly what this line talks about albert pike's first line literally tells you force which is not regulated is going to get wasted imagine you are an amazing football player you on your own are really good with some uh, what should i say some coaching you are going to be the one of the best but imagine if you are not utilizing that potential in either joining a team or showcasing your talent then what's the point of that 
fine if you are not interested in pursuing it that's a completely different aspect imagine you're an amazing singer and you could actually sing amazing songs we have enough number of movies and stories and our own life experiences either listening to others or on yourself that there are certain things in you which if you uh, what should i say channelize it to the right place or hone those skills you will automatically become one of the best and that best who is going to actually get the benefits it's you first and us who will get to see that today when we actually see one of the best football players doing playing their amazing game the the pride which we get because we like the team or because we like that game or even because we like that uh, player we automatically get so enjoyed with that and that's exactly the point for even for a movie or for for a book or for anything which you might to say now that force needs to be regulated and how does that happen shishir and i would like to now talk about that but first i'll ask shishir shishir what do you think should add how how do we regulate this and let's let's talk about it from uh, maybe from the official perspective or the office perspective or a work wise perspective got it let me bring in masonry back into this right uh, since we're talking about uh, the first degree or the entered apprentice degree in this particular chapter as a new initiate into freemasonry um you would be undergoing a lot of thoughts uh, a lot of questions and you know you can do two things with it one you can let those questions passionately be ignored <laughs> left in your heart and mind and not do anything about it you decide i'll just go with the flow let me see what's happening right very passive kind of a approach you still need passion <laughs> and dedication to be passive at times the other way is that you get heavily involved like heavily involved to the point where people are asking themselves hey when is this guy become a third degree mason is he a third degree why now or is he the worshipful master or something <laughs> you know i'm giving in jest again i'm giving two real extremes but the point is not trying to make the effort to understand your place in the lodge your place on the ladder or the hierarchy is going to lead to confusion is going to lead to dissatisfaction why it's very simple you need to have a direction you need to have some level of plan some level of guidance either from your own initiative or maybe from a senior brother who tells you that hey you just got initiated maybe you should you know sit and observe and ask questions and understand and if there are some books you might be interested then i can recommend you to read some books or go through the ritual book that that few things has now given you a regulated uh planned uh, uh you know focused path for you to draw in your passions and uh, your energy and to say that okay now i know as an entered apprentice what i can do to start and make my freemasonic journey more fruitful and eventually become a better person from what i am today cut to the real world uh, when i say real world i meant to say uh, coming out of freemasonry right Uh, just taking the example of uh, a married couple all right something i'm sure a lot of people can relate with in one way or the other uh, again you 
could either have a very passive approach saying that yeah fine okay as per marriage society has certain expectations our parents have some expectations our spouse has certain expectations in-laws and whatnot so everyone's expectations are there uh, let me you know try to start pleasing everyone uh, let me try to live up to everyone's expectations again you are looking at the larger picture but you are thinking i'm gonna you know start uh, living up to everybody's expectations in one shot well where is the priority what if while trying to live up to society's expectations you're ignoring uh, your in-laws your own parents or your own spouses uh, you know uh, expectations in some way you may not have you may not realize it because you're thinking hey i'm trying to do everything for everyone well no uh, you know that's again a very misguided approach so at the end of the day having a plan in mind having a direction in mind helps you channelize your energies in a much more productive manner and also set expectations like in uh, software and all we talk about stakeholder management we talk about expectation management what is that stakeholder wants you to build a software that will uh, drive their car automatically without a driver touching the you know steering wheel or uh, placing his or her foot on the pedals great very lofty deal but if you look at the entire car in its entirety and start you know uh, going at it with brute force also will not help you have to now sit and prioritize what is the most important thing i should uh, focus on to make this safe and secure to build trust and what if it needs more time than we planned maybe we thought we'll do it in 3 years but it turns out to make it more secure i need at least one more years of research Uh, another one year of uh, proper quality checks and then we need to do some sort of regulatory you know uh, checks and balances for which we need some licenses if you go with a brute force you might miss out on these finer details if you plan ahead plan think of it properly you'll be able to you know think of these finer details and come up with a much better product than you know someone would have thought of so you know i'm just trying to give again maybe it's uh, albert pike's effect <laughs> on me reading his book <laughs> but just trying to make it more relatable because i know our our audience is quite uh, you know spread out across the world so i'm hoping one of these vantage points sort of hits the ball for you tishir i just wanted to add what you just mentioned right with respect to knowing about it that's the intellect portion which albert pike is talking about he's saying that force without that intellect without that knowledge of where to apply that force otherwise as you said as i was saying right i will just hit my head on the wall what if i hit my head and uh, obviously i'm ensuring that i'm wearing a helmet when i'm doing this silly work but if i'm using my helmet and i hit the wall at the weakest portion and i'm able to destroy that wall that would be the right thing but that comes or rather i should be able to get that with that intellect and you touched on that exact point knowing what to do when to do where to do whatever to do is the second step where the force is supposed to get concentrated upon exactly ranesh and thanks for you know bringing that point up there are two lines i want to read from the book itself the first line is intellect is to the people and the people's force what the slender needle of the compass is to the ship its soul now we all know that uh, you know in, in the ancient times there was no gps or anything people looked at the stars they saw the sun the moon and sort of figured out their way across the ocean 
along with that came a compass and now they knew for sure that okay I don't have to stare at a star and wonder what am I looking at is it the north or the south I know this compass shows true north and I can sort of chart my way across even in day even in night right that's such a beautiful analogy because intellect is the key it is the compass let me also say this having a degree from any university in the world does not guarantee that you are actually intelligent or that you are educated you could still be an idiot <laughs> make all the wrong decisions and you know that that piece of paper will at the end of the day hold no value in your actual life sure you can flaunt it frame it and place it behind you in your office but if you still behave like an idiot <laughs> that piece of paper does nothing right so that is where i think he is trying to emphasize this point that intellect is to the people what the needle of a compass is to the ship its soul now this another very nice line i want to read and it goes like this when all the forces are combined and guided by the intellect and regulated by the rule of right and justice and of combined and systematic movement and effort the great revolution prepared for by the ages will begin to march if you are little confused and there's a lot of ands in this i would say just <laughs> rewind another 10 20 seconds listen to this line again but let me simplify it it again goes back to the very first line we read uh, at the beginning of this episode force unregulated or ill regulated is wasted in the void he starts with that okay and then he sort of tries to conclude further by saying that yes force is required uh, it has to be regulated and all that but when it is combined and guided by intellect and regulated by the rule of right and justice that is when you actually not only get a, a let's say a regulator kind of a thing to you know sort of ensure the necessary amount of energy uh, and and sort of uh, thought goes into something but also when you are guiding it with intelligence and knowledge and bringing in some level of uh, law or justice some element of that is when you can actually make a combined effort to you know uh, make great things happen that's how i am reading or understanding this i am curious to know what renesh thinks about it so renesh do you want to layer in on this oh uh, you know what you mentioned right like when this force obviously with the intellect and the, the rule of right and justice i would like to talk about the whole rule of right and justice like who defines it by the way and we could have a lengthy discussion on this that maybe it's our uh, what do you call our folks our parents who defines what is right and wrong because you know what you can teach a child uh, something which is wrong and tell them that's right and he will believe, he or she will believe it for the rest of his life till somebody else comes up and hits him on the head and say do what are you doing man this is absolutely wrong and you will have to recalibrate the entire understanding however but who defines that for me personally it was always have been a very simple understanding or and i i like to like to follow this irrespective to whichever situation i am in it, and it's very simple it kind of comes from all the old books which i would have read maybe it's the the, the holy books also or whatever the things are but i would prefer to treat shishir the same way shishir should treat me right i will ensure that i treat him 
I behave with him the same way that I expect him to behave with me. Tomorrow, if I degrade myself or if I make myself way too high up in the ladder, what whatsoever reason it is, or in a hierarchy whichever I might have built, I should actually do the other way around also, and I should hope that the other way around works. If I treat Shishir the wrong way, then Shishir also has all the rights to treat me in the wrong way. But do I want to be treated like that? If that is answer is yes, I really feel that there is something wrong. But if the answer is actually no, that makes the job much easier. I will never ever have to treat another human being in any other manner apart from the way I expect that person to treat me. And that is where this whole right and justice comes into place. The rule of right and justice over here with that intellect is going to ensure that the force moves ahead. But Shishir, I know we we have been talking about this before we started the episode, right? This is all okay or all good in an individual level. But what about it from like a 20,000 above view? Can that help the society? Do you think Albert Pike has actually written anything about that? Yeah, Ranish, and that's an important perspective because I think as of now, we have been focusing in some extent more at an individual level, right? So let's go a little higher, like you said, a twenty, thirty thousand feet uh, perspective. So to delve into that, let me again try and make it a little more relatable by taking two extreme examples from Indian history. Two, you know. eminent people from our history mahatma gandhi and subhash chandra bose polar opposites in their approach for freedom and both have had a profound impact uh, on not just india but even the entire world for that matter mahatma gandhi's approach one man he decided to say britishers you know we we are going to have a passive sort of an approach uh we will have uh, civil disobedience uh, we will not align with your policies but we will not ra- we will not raise a hand or a finger at you non violent right who could have thought something like this and i mean if in today's time i go and say something like this i'm sure people will even now ridicule me right but still this one individual for whatever reason he bore sway he did what he did and one of those reasons he is one of those reasons because of which india gained freedom i'm not saying he's the only reason behind that but yes definitely one of the reasons on the other side of the spectrum netaji subhash chandra bose the man behind the armed rebellion against the british he did what he could to you know uh, raise an indian army and fight against uh the british powers at the time and he too succeeded in many ways because of him at least i would say the kernel or the seed for the indian armed forces especially the indian army was sown and we had uh you know this this uh force that has developed into one of the formidable armies of the world recently 26 january we had uh, our republic day celebrated where we actually flaunt Uh, you know the regalia and the, uh, the the royal kind of parades of different regiments of the armed forces. Just imagine where it started from, where it has come. If he would have gone with the brute force that just get as many guns and bombs and let's just you know go to Delhi and blast all these people off, <laughs> do you think that would have even succeeded? I don't think so. 
there is this brute force this go and shoot and shoot to kill shoot to thrill <laughs> you know but he thought through it he thought that let's have an standing army in some sort and then make some uh, strategic partnerships and you know have a, a, a sort of direction have a sense of direction to make this happen in a proper sustainable manner which can be scaled up that is the thought he took and look where we are today beautiful example by the way <laughs> because <laughs> it kind of gives you that approach right like uh, there is no one way to certain things and uh, it might have been the case or it might be the case in future but not necessary every time and there might always be more than one answers to that point and that's exactly what we are also doing right like i know it could be just one liner i can just come up and say force unregulated is wasted in the void and let's move on but mm. there are so many aspects to that line which you are able to bring that's absolutely perfect and i think that's the point which albert pike luckily for us um is mentioning throughout this first chapter he talks about the various uh, the, the tyrants right the dictatorship or the 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 force or sorry the government which has actually been terrorizing their own people or terrorizing some other country whatever those things are he doesn't give you examples okay he doesn't give you any factual example that xyz date something like that happened by abc person no no he just writes that line and if you and me are smart enough to understand those points because we have learned all those things we automatically are able to draw parallels to those things and understand what he is trying to say he talks about the as i said the tyrants right he talks about the military forces he talks about the wrong people the the wrong person actually in your life who's messing up everything around you all that is important and that's where he comes up with that one line which is beautifully written the force of the people or the popular will i can say in action and exerted is symbolized by the gavel i'll come to all these points by the way regulated and guided by and acting within the limits of law and order is symbolized by the 24 inch rule has for its liberty sorry has for its fruit liberty equality and fraternity so liberty is regulated by law equality of rights in the eye of the law and fraternity which is brotherhood is with its duties and obligation as well as its benefits now i want to just talk about this two point which we have mentioned about the gavel and the 24 inch rule if anybody owns this book or would have downloaded the book from wherever you want to because uh, it's actually readily available but if you download the if you read the book right the first degree apprentice has a photo of a 24 inch rule and a gavel a 24 inch ruler uh, which we say or a, a 24 inch rule which is there is one of the many symbols in freemasonry which has an amazing example and that same example is what he has brought here and beautifully brought the rule actually is symbolized of the limit of law and order okay the gavel is used to use that force it's it's like the molding structure like we have been talking about how we don't know what the force is now imagine a small child right like a small child is being born uh do we leave the child just like that no we kind of teach the child certain good stuff certain wrong things like this is wrong that's right like we do allow them the liberty of doing what they want but within the confines of certain things and that confine initially is your own home and that is where that whole thing is being taught okay this is good to eat this is not good to eat don't pick up something from the ground why do we do that that's the force but that force is good it's not negative force it's a force which is required to mold that boy and i think shishir we spoke about this in the last uh, episode as well it takes a village to raise the child and that's exactly what this organization does 
we do not force anybody to do what is like oh this is absolutely wrong you should not even think about doing this there is no dogmatic principles in freemasonry we ensure that you have a free hand of understanding those things and that force that good force will always be there to guide you not force you to do something which is not which you don't like but to guide you that also involves in us uh, learning some new things taking part in some administrative activities or uh, helping others or talking to people or just just taking care of other stuff all that is not forced upon you you do it because of the love of that group and by the way you don't even need that as in forget the freemasonry aspect any organization which you are part of whether it is your college team or sorry your football team or maybe your college organizations or a book club which you are part of or a hobby club why do we do those things because we kind of love that and we ensure others who are joining also become part so radish it is interesting that you brought up you know this this point of the 24 inch rule and the gavel uh that actually in the book it flows into two other things and uh i'm i'm excited to bring this one in because it's uh, close to our own <laughs> podcast name uh so albert pike talks about the rough and the perfect ashlers now what is a rough and perfect ashler before even that what is even an ashler well ashler essentially is a block of stone all right now the point of view or rather why does he say there's a rough ashlar and there's a perfect ashlar it's very simple a block of stone just cut out of a rock right is nothing but a rough ashlar when you take that piece of rock and you start you know chiseling away on the irregular surface obviously it may not be perfect let's say you need to make it uh, uh, the shape of a cube or a you know a rectangle let's say well looking at it and staring and praying for it to happen will not work right you have to take up some sort of implements and start hammering away on it in this case you'll probably use a chisel or a hammer or maybe some saw blade or something but you have to take some tool and just be at it it won't take one minute it might take a few hours but you have to consistently do the same thing over and over again on that stone to give it that shape which you need and that shape you're bringing in because there is a purpose behind that shape uh, the building cannot be made out of uh, you know spherical stones right you will need square or cubes or rectangles and what have you so the point is as a human being when you are receiving education and again I, i don't mean to say that you are in school or it could be anywhere learning is a continuous lifelong process right so you're learning something listening to that lecture once in the classroom and then saying yep it's in my mind i have an ssd card in my brain so it's all there i can go and <laughs> review it whatever i want no that is it work you have to think you have to ponder you have to question you have to test you have to wonder you have to ask talk to people you have to do your research and see what other people are saying about this what research has been done on it to really say that yes now i have understood what this chapter or what this subject is all about when you do that it is nothing but the same point of taking some tools hammering away at that ashlar making it perfect giving it that shape that research which you did on google those research papers you downloaded the <clears throat> the question answer sessions you had with your teacher uh those case studies you had probably you know to solve with your uh, study group 
all of those are tools the act of you being engaged in those things is nothing but hammering away at that ashlar right and that is the force which develops the intellect in an individual who can then form up their ideas their directions their concepts and engage and inspire a larger audience and hopefully inspire a society to do something in a proper you know beneficial direction i think you have uh, nailed it properly in that sense because what what i would have actually explained the same thing right like rough to perfect why is it required you always told him because i'm not going to use a rough stone and nobody will use a rough stone for anything until as you just have to throw it somewhere but that perfect stone the perfect block of stone is required to make sure that the building is built and that's the same thing like these pieces right the ones which we are learning around whether it is your course whether it is your college stuff or whether it is your all those things are have to be honed they have to be molded properly so that it goes and sits in you and that's what is going to build it up i think with that i would uh, shishir i think we have actually come to that po- uh, kind of like a portion where the force aspect which albert pike was talking about has been given that kind of an understanding and explanation of what that force is why that force is required with an intellect why that force is required with the rule of right and justice along with that intellect and where do we apply it obviously with all the examples which you have given which is beautiful because that is the one which actually kind of sticks with everybody and the whole rough and perfect ashler which he added which uh, very conveniently without even us thinking about it also talks about our episode our our podcast right the ashlers the idea behind naming this podcast the ashlers was that the journey of from of us from being rough to becoming trying to become perfect i don't think we can ever achieve it but we can at least try because at least that chip which comes off is one wrong is one unwanted stuff away from me so that i can have that skill perfected great thanks dinesh and very you know very nicely you summarized the whole thing so folks uh, you know i think dinesh has done a good job at summarizing this discussion so far i would highly encourage anyone to you know check out this book and start reading uh, this particular chapter is quite interesting very insightful and whatever we have told is there in the book you can actually you know relate to it as we as we as you actually read the book uh, with that being said so i think we have come to a close for this episode i hope you enjoyed it and we'll be continuing with more of these series on and off but uh, as a cherry on the cake we would be inviting a few eminent freemasons from india uh who have been in masonry for a long while we value their inputs and we will have a similar discussion with them and see what thought process what ideas they bring forward uh, you know their their point of view on albert pike's book so look forward to that episode in the coming weeks so until then this is shishir signing off and thanks bye bye dinesh and that's a wrap We thank you for your time and hope that we have been able to present to you the true light of masonry in yet another way. Please continue to watch out for more episodes from the Ashlers by subscribing to our channel on most of the popular podcasting platforms. Links are in the show notes and also feel free to email us at theashlerspodcast@gmail.com. Your encouragement is what keeps us motivated above all as proud hosts of India's first and only free masonic podcast we wish you all the very best and until next time 
the Ashlers signing off.